Welcome to Liberty Lockdown. Please scan your barcode. Your liberty ain't gone, but yeah, it's on hold. Where did it come from and where did it go? Welcome, everybody, to another episode of Liberty Lockdown. This is Clint Russell. Today, I have the honor of having a knockdown dragout fight. It was actually re- really cordial, surprisingly, or maybe not, uh, between myself, Craig Pastajardula, Jimmy Dore, and Dave Smith. The four of us sought to see areas of agreement, disagreement, where compromise might be found, and if we could, either side was able to persuade the other. Uh, not surprising, the libertarians were pretty obstinate. Oops, that's what we do. <clears throat> but the conversation itself was uh, really good, and and I hope I hope they feel as if uh, you know we were at least listening and processing and considering their their positions, and I, I hope that they did the same. Well, time will tell. I think uh, Jimmy in particular is much closer to us than I think he probably realizes. And I know that may sound condescending. I don't mean to be <laughs> to sound that way. But anyways, I'll let you judge for yourself. It's a great conversation. Before we get started, uh, we actually talk a lot about healthcare in this particular episode, uh, deciding what would be voluntarist answers versus status answers. And as you know, one of my sponsors has a great voluntarist option. And that is why you need to look into CrowdHealth. Open enrollment is here, and that means now is time to take care of yourself and your healthcare decisions. Let's be honest, the insurance model is broken. We detail at length why it's so broken in this very episode. CrowdHealth has a better way to fund your healthcare costs. You can see any doctor you want, no deductibles, exclusions, or copays. You only pay the first $500 of any healthcare event. The CrowdHealth community takes care of the rest. No exclusive doctor networks, no huge premiums or high deductibles, and no surprises. Take charge of your healthcare today with CrowdHealth. Open enrollment is the only time you can hit eject on the broken system without penalty, so don't wait. And for a limited time, join for just $99 per month for your first six months when you use promo code lockdown at joincrowdhealth.com. That's joincrowdhealth.com, promo code lockdown. CrowdHealth is not health insurance. It's a totally different way of paying for healthcare. Terms and conditions may apply. Enjoy the show. guys welcome back to the convo couch and of course my good friend clint russell from liberty lockdown is here and we are doing it again clint this is uh part two i guess we can say part duh uh of this libertarian uh ron paul kind of mises caucus new management with the anti-imperialist left uh what are you thinking my friend i'm just excited man i i love these two guys uh, i love all three of you to be honest and uh i think that there's obviously areas of agreement that is worth exploring in a deeper fashion, and I am grateful that we get an opportunity to do so today. So I figured we would uh, introduce uh, opposite sides. So let me start off with uh, introducing your guy, uh, the capitalist, uh, the libertarian, the Mises Caucus, the comedian. You might know him from Skankfest. You might know him from... Uh, What's that last show you did with uh, Steech or whatever his name is? Whatever. But if uh, if you don't know him, now you do. Dave Smith is with us today. How are you doing today, Dave Smith? Doing very good. Always uh, always enjoy talking to you guys. Thanks for having me. All right. 
And the man with the greatest rants in television history, Mr. Jimmy Dore. Hi, hi. I'd like to go to Skankfest. That sounds like something that'd be fun. What is Skankfest? Dude, you got to come next year, Jimmy. Come out. It's in Vegas. Oh, I'm top skipping a jump. I go to Vegas for lunch. Are you kidding me? Come on. Dude, you absolutely need to come to Skankfest next year. It's a great time, dude. Great time. You'd love it. I, I was Kurt, there this year. Think, time of my life. I think Kurt came. I think Kurt's been there almost every year. It's a lot of fun. Great crowds. I love, do you, you do stand up? Yeah, yeah, it's like a it's a whole stand up podcast festival. It's just a ton of shows. It's great. I, can I do my COVID jokes. Oh, they love your COVID jokes. These are these are your people, Jimmy. They're gonna love it. <laughs> Bunch of libertarians. Well, not all of them, but a lot. And it's uh, it's, it's kind a, of cool it's to a see it. healthy mix of libertarians and degenerates. It is. I think most comics nowadays are kind of matriculating towards that anarchism of sorts. You know what I'm saying? They want to be free. They want to say what they want to say. They don't want any government telling them what to do or what they can say. So I had at least 100 people come up to me throughout Skankfest and knew who I was just because of being on Dave's show. So it's a uh, it's definitely a libertarian, uh, you know, aggressive comedy combo. It's a beautiful thing. I loved it. So let's let's get into this. Let's not waste any time. There's a lot of things to discuss. Obviously, um, I, I think it's easy to say. And Jimmy, I don't know if you can agree or disagree because I don't know what, uh, if you made any decisions. But I would say that we are I like skanks. You like skanks. <laughs> I like skanks. <laughs> I like festivals. So that's Come together, I you got a skank festival. What could be better? <laughs> <laughs> a festival of skanks. Um, Jimmy, would you say that you are politically homeless? I mean, I know last time you were verbal about voting for the Green Party. And if I had to go back old school, uh, I would look at the four pillars of the Green Party. It's all about foreign policy. It's all about fair elections. Uh, they have their social justice in there as well. Uh, but would you say that you're politically homeless still right now? I would definitely say that. <laughs> yes. You know, uh, I mean, the freaking uh, Green Party was Russiagating, for F's sake. <laughs> That's the craziest thing. And uh, so, I don't know, so that, uh, you know, uh, yeah, I'm politically homeless for sure. Yeah. Um, so, I, I don't, all I know is that uh, the people are ready for an alternative, right? They're, they're ready to vote for something other than the two-party system. And, you know, that's the weird thing, Craig. Is that I remember back to 2016 when Bernie was running for president? I thought we had all agreed, be beating the people who that the corporate media was our enemy, the Democratic Party was our enemy, just as much as the Republican Party, maybe more, because they were wolf in sheep's clothing and they could co opt our energy. The Republicans don't try to. And so I thought, we, and now because of Trump and because Bernie's tucked his tail, uh, they're the. They just don't know what to, they're all just regular Democrats now, right? They're just regular Democrats out there shitting on Matt Taibbi and Glenn Greenwald. Like they're the problem instead of the problem. And so, um, yeah, I don't, I, I don't know what to do going forward, but uh, I know that I tell people the best thing you should do is you should stop donating and stop voting for Democrats and Republicans and start voting for a third party, no matter what the third party is, because that's what I'm doing. I think that's all you can do. And, you know, I, I would like my vote to count. Mm -hmm. So, so would I, and, and I'm in the same space as you, I'm politically homeless. Obviously I think I've been looking a little bit more at the libertarian party, uh, cause I am an anti-imperialist left. I think that's where 
you know, that is the, the label I'll wear most. I've got involved in politics because I couldn't stand our foreign policy. And when I was involved with the progressive movement, there was a lot of ignorance there. They didn't understand what was going on. So I started the combo couch to talk about foreign policy. And I, I think it's easy to say, and it's safe to say right now, that the most consistent politician of anybody to hold an office in Congress uh, when it comes to foreign policy, the best policies has been Ron Paul. I mean, he's been consistent. Uh, obviously, I supported Tulsi Gabbard, uh, but I don't think she's been as consistent as, as Ron Paul has been. So that has always made me keep my eye open on the Libertarian Party. But with everything going on right now, as far as, um, you know, freedom of speech, Julian Assange, uh, the demon demonetization of all these shows, we have all experienced this. The Libertarian Party has come more into light. And then also we have the, the Mises Caucus now taking control of the party itself. And uh, a congratulations to Angela, uh, for sure, McArdle who is the now chair of the Libertarian Party, uh, who just had a baby, right? So, I mean, congratulations to her as well. But there are questions that remain to be seen. Jimmy has said before, Dave and Clint, so you both know, it's, you know, in the last show, Medicare for all is something that's important to him. Um, Medicare for all, how do we get that done? Um, but I also want to start on foreign policy first, because I think it's important. And I'll start off, and I'll ask you a question, Dave, and then maybe, Jimmy, you can jump in after Dave gives his opinion if you have anything to add up, and then Clint, why don't you back clean up and then give your, your opinion as well? Sure. Uh, because I've said this before. Um, sometimes I feel the ideological handcuffs of the Libertarians and the Libertarian Party can be a problem. I interviewed Scott Horton at uh, Freedom Fest, and I questioned him about whether or not he thought it was justified that Russia and Putin went into Ukraine because I am standing here and I'm an anti-imperialist leftist. I don't believe in war as well, but I am also a realistic person about what's going on. And I don't think that the, the Russian Federation and Putin were left any choice. I heard you on Rogan, Dave, talk about the same thing. And you kind of had this whole mindset of like, Hey man, I'm a libertarian. I am anti-war. I don't want to get involved, but how can we say that Putin wasn't justified for going into Ukraine after eight years of the government being overthrown. You both mentioned on that last show you went on the Victoria Newland situation. So I'd like to hear your point of view on that. And the reason why I'm bringing that up is because I think that kind of leads to inaction. If we stick to our ideologies where we can't be for any military intervention after all these things have happened, how can we make decisions, you know, outside of what we honestly believe when it's necessary to make those decisions in foreign policy well um so i so your concern is being if there was too much anti-interventionism like in russia or something like that so they wouldn't yes, support them invading ukraine well yeah. look i mean the, the the truth is and <clears throat> this is an interesting position for me to be in because i'm always arguing uh how you know america isn't justified in their interventions but i i think that Vladimir Putin, look, the, the United States uh, foreign policy for the last 30 years, particularly toward Russia since the fall of the Soviet Union, has been just insane and reckless and evil and provocative at every single turn. Uh, they've certainly pushed Vladimir Putin. And um, at least according to um, William Perry, who is Bill Clinton's uh, secretary of defense, he said that Vladimir Putin is operating 
uh, under the like he believes that there is an American policy to assassinate and overthrow him. And I don't know if that's true, but it wouldn't be that shocking, you know, if it was true. Um, and so that's the kind of the position we put this guy in. But no, I mean, he, he's not justified in invading the Ukraine because he's I mean, look, man, I you know, it's hard to get these estimates in the fog of war, but at least tens of thousands of innocent people have been slaughtered in the war. It's just, it's absolutely horrible. And the fact that he was, uh, you know, pushed by the most powerful, you know, power centers in the world does not, you know, like that, it, it's like, I think far too often <clears throat> people conflate people with their governments. And the people of Ukraine are really more victims of their own governments than anybody else. I mean, obviously there's some very, very nasty groups in Ukraine. You have the C-14 and the right sector guys and Sabata and all, all those guys. But there's also just a lot of people in Ukraine who lived under the incredibly corrupt um, uh, government of, of Yanukovych, the, the corrupt Poroshenko government, then now the corrupt Zelensky government. And these, by the millions, they're having to flee now because of this war. Just tons of innocent people being killed. And they're always like there has to be there there had to be some other option of how Vladimir Putin could have handled this. I I think Scott threw out the example of you know he could have cut off all natural gas to Europe. He could have basically enacted the pain of all the sanctions that we're, that we're all feeling you know immediately. I mean the guy he could have dropped a nuke in the ocean. I mean I don't know. There's just got to be a lot of other options besides invading. So I absolutely think he was provoked and put in a terrible situation. That the U.S. foreign policy has been evil and reckless, but. I'm never once once you get in the business of killing innocent people, then no, the term justified doesn't really apply. Jimmy, do you want to jump in or and say anything? Uh, your opinions on that? I <clears throat> <laughs> got you. <laughs> <laughs> um, so, Craig, do you look at it as a? What Vladimir Putin did is that it's almost you look at it like in a defensive move instead of an offensive move. I, I think he exhausted all avenues. I think for eight years they tried to push the mix accords. I think that regardless of all the people, you know, you talk about cutting off natural gas, even if they cut off natural gas, even if they found a way to economically punish Ukraine, there were still 14,000 dead people being bombed in the Donbass on their border. You know, so, I mean, he exhausted every single uh, avenue he could. In fact, we talked about Yanukovych before the show having the flee. When Yanukovych fleed, he went immediately to Putin and said, you're going to have to intervene and you're going to have to intervene right away. A lot of citizens in Russia were mad at Putin and thought he didn't intervene quick enough. And now we have close to 14, 15,000 people dead in the Donbass. So my opinion is, is that we have to call balls and strikes accurately here. And we have to say, yes, it is justified what we did on his border. And if we don't say that, how are we going to ever change our foreign policy? And it, it almost seems that in a way by saying Putin and the Russian Federation wasn't justified, that some of our actions in that region were okay. And yeah, but that doesn't that's but that doesn't logically follow. It doesn't logically follow that if I say that Vladimir Putin's not justified for invading, then it it somehow implies that we were justified in backing the illegitimate government and uh, uh, after they took over in 2014. I mean, look, even there are just other options here. Uh, even if you want to say, look, maybe he even seizing Donbass or something like that would have been like to, in, in order to stop that conflict would have at least been more justified um but to also invade the western part of the country and also you know just like the amount of innocent people dying i mean it's there's just 
I, I, I'm not going to be able to say that that's justified. I wouldn't find it justified if my government did it. I think my government would certainly do it if put in the same situation, probably yes. with a much heavier hand. But I wouldn't. I would still say that's not justified. So I don't necessarily. I, I don't think it's like uh, it weakens the argument uh, anymore. I don't. I don't think my my uh, anti-U.S. imperialist argument is is weakened by not, you know, claiming that this war is justified. It seems a little fence setting for me. Uh, I, it really does. I mean, it's like, oh, I know my government would have done that. They were on my border. They even threatened to get nukes. I mean, it, it, there has to be a way where we can say, listen, we have to. This is. He, he's going to do this if we're going to press the buttons, if we're going to instigate this on his border, you know, and, and by doing so, that will give us more of a, a press, I feel, to hold our government more accountable for their foreign policy. I mean, what, what do we accomplish by by saying that Putin is justified? I, I'm not understanding how that when you're saying that Putin is justified, you're saying that all the actions, previous actions of the empire and what they did to to cause this war are not justified or no good that if, if in fact we had not done any of this stuff we wouldn't have gotten to this point well, well I, mean, I, I agree with that I yeah that's that that's dave's entire focus especially when he was on rogan he just hammered home all of the different reasons that this came to pass i think that when you see innocents dying by the thousands it's very difficult to say that putin is justified in his behavior i mean granted yes the u.s would absolutely do it and they would do it for far less but we oppose that as well so I think that it's a very consistent position to hold that you point out that Putin is wrong to be doing what he's doing, but there is a reason that he's doing what he's doing. And if we can educate the people as to the, the lead up to that, I don't think it's fence sitting to say that, yeah, there's a reason that he's pissed off. I mean, we, we're trying we're trying to educate the world because unfortunately- There's the a reason, but it's not okay. You, you see what I'm, I, I don't know. Yeah, I, but that's just, that's the, that's just the truth. I mean, I, I you know- I, whether it's perceived as fence setting, I don't. By the way, I think that might be your own perspective because you're pretty like radical on this position. I'm seen as taking a pretty radical position when I talk about right. U.S. foreign policy. But um, but I think that look, the most important thing here that it's like the only sane path forward is to try to like have try to work up as much public pressure um on the government to to negotiate a peace here. I mean, this is like the because this is like we are in a very dangerous, you know, situation here. I mean, even the kind of broader theme of this show being like what are the um what's the common ground of the anti-imperialist left and the Ron Paul libertarians. And mm -hmm. to me right now, like look, we're we're closer to a nuclear war than we've been in my lifetime. And anybody who's opposed to that, that's just the most important thing. Doesn't really matter if we figure out healthcare policy if we're all dead. So, like, let's all be against, you know, start sparking off World War Three this time with H bombs, you know, and then I think we're that's a pretty good place to start. Jimmy, you want to jump in for anything over here, or are we just uh, handling this? I think the, you know, the the, the problem with, with the peace we had, the nuclear peace that we had, you know, all the treaties and stuff, and the kids people that grow up with the nuclear threat and so now they don't i don't even think they realize it that there is one and now they even you know people are saying in the uh in the news that oh you could can you know you can win a nuclear war and shit like that you've seen this in the papers like in new york times washington post type stuff and it's like yeah you know how you can't let you can't you know let putin deter us from fucking using a nuke you can't let you can't back down like like people are out of their mind. It is the scariest thing, man. It makes me glad I don't have kids. But talk about uh, dangerous misinformation to tell people that you can win a nuclear exchange. <laughs> yeah, there's no win. That's it. It's all over, right? Once it starts, that's it. There's no stopping. And 
everybody everybody loses right so uh yeah it's uh you know the reason it's it's still it's crazy to me that you know people forget the reason why Tulsi Gabbard became such a pariah was because she told the truth about the Syrian war, right? So if you're a prominent person and you tell the truth, you have to be a war. Like look at Bernie and the squad; they're all war pigs, right? These are these are supposed to be progressives, and they're 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 the definition of war pigs. And then Bernie Sanders literally shames, tries to smear peace activists by when they come to to protest his war votes and he says he tells them who are you who's paying you that's what he says to peace activists bernie sanders so there's no hope i don't think there's any hope i think it's fun to talk about it <laughs> clint did you want to ask any other follow-up questions to this topic because then i want to get on the china really quickly and uh no i'm 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 good here other than to say you know i i really don't think that it benefits an anti-interventionist stance to agree with Putin's intervention. I think that there's there's some dissonance in that messaging that doesn't really quite jive. I mean, I think that if Putin had been invaded, yes, he would be justified. I mean, that is basically the American libertarian vantage point is that if we were to be invaded, we have every every right to to fight back. Um, but that ha that didn't really occur. I mean, there was certainly some subterfuge and manipulation, information warfare, all sorts of things that that occurred that he was trying to warn the world about that, hey, I have certain red lines, uh, including uh, Ukraine into NATO was one of them is like he he he's been very clear. He's he sounded the alarm. Unfortunately, we don't have a media that conveys any of those those warnings. And I think that the the American people largely were caught off guard. So we're playing catch up in trying to express this entire history, especially when you know, we're labeled as Putin apologists just for explaining what's occurred. Um, yeah, it's it's complicated. We're also considered Trump sympathizers because we don't go along with the Democrats. And that's the other group they got us in. And don't get me wrong. Listen, I look at the end of the day who the ultimate aggressor is. We all know it's the United States and we have to deal with things the way they are. We can't go back and change anything. And sometimes we have to be realistic and we have to say we have to be accountable for our actions and realize that our foreign policy actions can lead to some really messed up stuff. And that's what we see in the Ukraine. So we have to understand that these countries, if we poke the bear, they're going to be justified in retaliating since we did all the things. And I get your, your point of view, guys. I just This is a point where I just disagree because I think it's an ideological handcuff of sorts. I really do. And that's just my point of view when it comes to that there. So if anybody wants to finish up there. Well, I just don't... Uh so people don't know that they ramped up bombing of the Donbass. They did everything they could to provoke uh, Putin to uh, invade. Right. So uh, like, again, they did, they did that. They ramped, they wanted, this is what uh, the people don't know that, that this is what the want the United States wanted to happen. They want this and they wanted to keep going. And, it's it's just it's shocking to me to see it happen right now. And so, of course, they had to get rid of Donald Trump because they wanted to do this. And uh, they couldn't have a guy who they said was crazy, you know, uh, threatening nuclear war. They had the guy who they I guess is demented, I guess is better than crazy. Um, so I just don't think that people realize how corrupt our government is. And like they just think it's like regular corrupt, you know, but it's 100 percent corrupt right this which is why 
at the snap of a finger, you can get every person in Congress, including Bernie Sanders and the squad, to vote for $100 billion to go to the most corrupt country in Europe, uh, which is just a money transfer. And while we still won't even spend $200 million to give our railroad workers a sick leave, which they we all agree they're the glue that holds our capitalist system together, and we won't even give them, but we will send $100 billion to a bunch of Nazis in Ukraine, uh, but we won't even give sick leave to our own railroad workers that cost not even a quarter of a billion dollars. And so it's so corrupt that it only works if it's corruption. Like there's no way it could possibly work to help people. Just look at how we went through COVID just now. At every step, it was the, the, the way they handled COVID policy was to crush you and benefit the oligarchy yep. and the people in charge. It, it's just amazing what's happening. And, you know, the shock doctrine is happening all around us. And it, the, the woman who wrote the book is all on board for it. It's the fucking craziest thing yeah. ever. Now, now that we've identified the 100% corruption in the government, can we immediately transition into why you guys want healthcare to be handled by the government so no it's not i don't want it to be i'm not i don't want to go see a g-man when, when i go to the doctor i'm going to go to my same doctor but just instead of blue cross denying me the fucking money for twice as much for you know charging twice as much and putting a middleman and all these i just going to have my the government's going to send her a check just like they do for my grandma now are there problems with medicare yes but you know whenever they do surveys it's always the most popular healthcare system in the country so yeah they've been trying to fuck it up too right they like they like we have to it's it's like you have to move a mountain just to get medicare to be able to negotiate for goddamn drug prices that's the level of corruption i mean i it's unbelievable you know when barack obama passed his right his uh his heritage foundation health care plan which was nothing but a another tax giveaway to healthcare companies health big pharma and you know how i know it was because when it passed their their stocks went through the roof right so if you like this type of raw content where people are actually telling the truth well there is a platform that is right up your alley movies plus wants to take hollywood back to focusing on good storytelling instead of pushing agendas if you're sick of woke being jammed down your throat they are the place to be freedom of speech maximalists over there i've had these guys on the show they're awesome they have a new original series called q sent me about the q shaman it's the real story of january 6th it premiered on november 11th and they have original episodes of that airing approximately every month or two uh where you get to actually get to know this guy this uh legendary figure <laughs> he's he's a fascinating guy i've already watched the first episode the streaming platform works flawlessly uh in addition to their original and exclusives they also have thousands of titles uh all commercial free for just 5.99 my audience can use the promo code liberty and get five dollars off the annual subscription go to mymoviesplus.com or search for movies plus in any app store or smart tv to watch your favorite shows on your favorite streaming device Again, that's promo code Liberty. Go to mymoviesplus.com. Um, I so no, I don't want the government to run it more than just like you don't want it to run it. Uh, I but I would I do want to uh take a, a a capitalist out from in between me and my doctor, especially a predatory one like health insurance companies. And uh, I certainly would like to have some government regulation of. Or, uh, of drug prices, or at least get rid of the fascism with a less, let me go to Canada eh, and get some some drugs for cheap up there or something like that. They Remember they passed a law that made that illegal? Remember senior citizens yeah. were going to Canada? They passed the law again to screw the citizens in favor. So we don't live in a democracy again. This whole idea we do is a joke, and I'll throw it back to you. 
No, I agree, man. That was great. <laughs> uh, well, let me say this much so you guys can get on this because this, well, since we're in healthcare, because this was the next subject to get into, where I'm at with Jimmy is being proactive in healthcare. Okay. I, I don't necessarily have a plan. There's no bill out there that I like. I don't like any of the bills from Jamila, uh, Pramila Jayapal or any of those. I don't like any of those bills at all. It's a complete corporate takeover. However, this is once again, going back to that kind of like, and, and I could be wrong that libertarian ide ideology, sometimes I look at it where it's not being proactive. It's removing the government, removing the barriers that are there and let the natural yeah. course take yeah. its place all right we, we don't advise uh right. instant fixes we we try to go to the root i think is is basically what you're pointing out well yeah what i'm saying is that i think that you'll be limited to being proactive in other words i if we do have tax money and i know you guys want to eliminate probably all taxes but if we do have tax dollars and they do go to defense and they do go to other things why can't we take some of that tax dollars out and use it for our citizens and health care and I don't want to deal with the same system we have now. I want to kind of blow it up. Well, we have a sick care system. We have a system that, you know, uh, when you get shot or you're hurt, that might be okay. But there's nothing preventative. There's nothing about a healthy lifestyle. There's no gut health. You know what I'm saying? Why they won't even, they won't even tell you to take they won't even tell you to take vitamin D almost three years now True. into this pandemic. They won't yeah. even tell you about vitamin D or yeah. zinc and the importance of that or the importance of losing weight and all that stuff. No, there it's yeah, it's way worse than we don't have a preventative healthcare system. We have an anti-preventative healthcare system. Exactly. They actually attack they people. Yes, yeah. they actually encourage like people to be fat and lazy and then and get on, you know, pharmaceutical drugs yeah. and shit like that. But you know, I would I would reject your premise that we're not uh libertarians are not being proactive i, I think okay. any more than you know chemotherapy isn't proactive like we're trying to get rid of the cancer and the cancer in the room here is the ginormous government and you know to your question you know if like i i could agree in theory i guess right like i would rather see taxpayer money going to grandma's hip replacement than to bombing you know kids in yemen or something like that right but if you ask the question, well, we have this tax money, why can't we spend it on this? Like, this isn't some abstract theoretical question. Like, you know the answer to that. Why is it? It's because the people in charge of it are corrupt pieces of shit. And so that's why we're not spending the money on things that actually matter. And I think the, the libertarian argument is that uh, essentially it's almost back to the Lord Atkin, like classical liberal, like uh, the idea that power corrupts. And ultimate, uh, and you know, absolute power corrupts absolutely. And it might be nice for there to be a world where you have this tremendous power and it's not corrupted. But that ain't the world we live in. And the United States federal government, I think the what is the annual budget? Something it, I think it topped out at over six trillion dollars. This is the largest, most powerful organization in the history of the world by far. There's nothing even close to the U.S. federal government by any metric the most powerful uh, entity in the history of the world. And the that much power, and then, you know, we look around and wonder, like, well, why is it the most corrupt entity in the history of the world? Like, well, because it's the most powerful one. And that's how human beings do with, with that type of unchecked power. They don't do well. And so, and, and it's the nature of the game. Like, even if you had, like, some type of benevolent angels take over this, this government, some CIA guy's going to shoot him in the back of the head and then they're going to be running it. You know what I mean? Like you just can't keep the evil out. The only answer is to destroy the ring. 
The only answer to be proactive is to actually fight to get government out of the game. They're, you're never going to have a centralized federal government in Washington, D.C., ruling over 330 million people in this country that isn't more influenced by giant big business than they are by the needs of their constituents. I mean, even back to like what Jimmy was talking about before. If you think about the energy that the Bernie Sanders grassroots had in 2016, um, and who would have thought if you looked at what the 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 voters wanted that you'd go, oh, do you think Bernie Sanders is going to take over this party? And they go, no, actually, the neocons are going to. That's unfucking believable. How much how much desire was there amongst the grassroots for that? Zero, less than zero, but it doesn't matter because that's politics. It's not actually accountable to people, even whether it's a democratically elected government or not is kind of irrelevant to this. It doesn't really matter. It's like it doesn't matter whether whether Barack Obama was one, you know, with uh, uh, his, you know, 65 million votes or whatever it is he got or whether he had just been put in by by Goldman Sachs. He was still governing for Goldman Sachs yeah. either way. Could That's you tell the, the difference? Because I right, couldn't. Right. <laughs> well, let, let me just add too that you know you have examples of uh, NHS in the UK where you have people that are having their healthcare um, threatened because they are accused of being racist. Uh, you also have examples, uh, obviously, in Canada. These are similar. The reason I'm bringing these up is because they're obviously closer to the to what you guys are are recommending. Um, you have now recommendations for euthanasia for a litany of cases that are not ultimately uh, something I would like to see doctors recommending people kill themselves for. Um, and then last but not least, just to demonstrate that this is also occurring in America, because I believe that we are closer to a state-run system than, uh, than not at this point, you, you have examples of uh, medical treatment being withheld based off of race. You know, during during COVID, uh, you had people that were only receiving treatment if they were a minority and if they were Caucasian, they were being denied it. I mean, these are just examples of once you have the state involved in these decision-making processes, not to say that there aren't downsides of having a true market with supply and demand shortages, everything else that, that there are problems with a free market answer that I'm not going to deny any of that. I just argue that it gets far worse when you rely on the state to have that level of power and that level of say-so, particularly if you're going to rely on a state that we all agree is deeply, deeply corrupt. Jimmy, do you have anything before I jump in there? Because well, I mean, I you know, I just you look around the world, right, and you look for the best examples. That, you know, those it just the nightmare that you predict just doesn't bear out. Uh, in the scenario in in places that give their people health care. You know, you go to go to France or Norway and stuff. I've been, you know, the, the Italy places. It's fantastic, you know. It really works great and people love it. I mean, there's you always have to fight corruption. I mean, but, you know, it, you know the, the last thing you want to do is add this huge profit motive into to corruption in the first place. And, you know, the problem is the system that we have that, you know, of elections that are financed by the criminals. And, um, you know, nobody wants to get rid of it. I mean, everybody complains about, just look look at this. So everybody complains about, you know, Citizens United, the goddamn Democrats had control of that. They never fucking bring up. They never do shit because they all serve the same people. So you're right. This We do have... You know, it's a super corrupted system. You know, if you had a better, if you had a better alternative to Medicare for all, I would be for it. But you don't, so that's the problem. Clinton, you want to respond, and, and uh, I'll, if you want to hit that, because I don't want you to answer too many things at one time. Go ahead. Yeah, sure. Uh, I mean, I, I agree with you on a, on an insta fix level. We don't have a better answer. I think if you go to a state solution, 
you know, single payer solution, you're going to have more care for people that don't have care right now. I think that the the longer term answer, though, is to allow the free market to work. And we don't have a free market. And and I believe that you're essentially applying a Band-Aid to a bullet wound. And I don't think that you're going to like the result in the long term, particularly when you're dealing with the government that is so corrupt already. And, you know, well, I can appreciate your examples of Norway or, or other countries that do it in a better fashion. I think that we aren't dealing with a government that is that. I, I really don't think that they like, particularly if you're opposed to, say, social credit scores and things of that nature. I, I really do believe that the the uh, dystopic fear that I'm bringing up as to what may occur if we enable the state to dictate who does and doesn't get care. Um, I think that we're headed in the wrong direction. So I'm why gonna... can't we work collectively as a nation to, to help our citizens out? I mean, a libertarian person is going to have a business, right? He's going to have to make decisions. He's going to have to take chances. He's going to have to be proactive. Just because this bad government, this government was bad, does that mean that we can't be proactive in any way, shape, well, or form? See, that our only mechanism is to make sure that 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 government never exists, and the hopes that the free market might work its way out and stuff. I mean, why can't we work collectively to help our own citizens? That's the only thing I don't understand when it comes to a libertarian mindset. Well, because ultimately you're disconnecting the end user, the patient in this uh, scenario, from the provider, which is the doctor. And, and as long as you do that, you're never going to get the care that you ultimately desire because you have someone else. You still have a middleman. It's it's fascinating because you guys are great at identifying the fact that like the insurance company is a middleman you would like to do away with, right? Well, you're just replacing that middleman with the government. So you're still going to have this issue. Like the, you guys talk about removing the profit motive. The profit motive is not removed just because it's state ran. You still have people that are either going to get into medical services or not based off of the ultimate outcome that they receive from doing that line of labor. And if and if it's not adequate to them, they're not going to they're not going to pursue that line of work. And if that happens and you end up with shortages and ultimately you don't have enough supply of, of medical care for the demand and then you end up with, you know, death panels and all this other shit. So it's like. But don't but don't you take can, can I just, just jump in this second? But please, don't, please. I, I don't want to forget your point. Yeah, but don't but don't you take your. I think you're mixing things. So when you take the profit motive out of denying me service, you don't take the profit motive out of medical services, but you take the profit motive out of denying me a medical service, which there is one now with an insurance company. And if we do it like Medicare, that takes that profit motive out of denying me care. You see what I'm saying? So that's yeah. what I'm, so that's different. Yeah, no, you're, you're right. But they, they, there's still a financial incentive for the government to deny care too. I mean, why why is that lifted? Yeah, your, so your... so I think I, I think um sorry because I just my power just flickered and it got kicked out, so I'm I'm jumping in here, but I I think there's often a tendency um uh from left wingers to ascribe this idea of a profit motive to the private sector and then advocate the, for the public sector, as if that profit motive goes away. As if like there's no greed and corruption within the government, even though as we all know from all of this, like obviously they're just like they're they're just as motivated by those those same factors. So yeah, I mean it it is to some degree it is it is profitable to deny people care. I think that's the I think the the way to mitigate against that is you want to have not you know the um not a government run system and not the kind of cartelized government um you know fascistic system that we have today but a system of true competition this is usually the best thing to guard against that where if you are screwing over your customers somebody else can rush in and take that business from you look i mean the truth is that human beings are 
motivated by self-interest. This is all around us. The, the, at least in the marketplace, in a true marketplace where the, where the government hasn't rigged the, the deck, the, there's, a, there's a cleansing mechanism, which is a profit and loss you know, system where people do lose money. I mean, look, even with, even with companies as huge as like the giant financial institutions, the free market had a beautiful solution for them. It's just that the government stepped in and bailed them all out. The free market would have bankrupted every last one of those companies. Jimmy, yeah, uh, you want to jump in there? I heard you heard competition and free market. So those are no. Right. I just uh, I don't even think I need to rebut that argument. It's so weak. How about that? <laughs> really, Jimmy? <laughs> <laughs> no, but that would be a good that would be a good technique, right? To use it as a debate. I don't even have to rebut. Um, no, I just don't. Uh, uh, again, it's it's not. I don't. I don't even know where to be. I get, again, I just look around the world and I see these systems that work and I know that our government is corrupt, but I don't have you, you know, uh, I think if you take a bigger, it's like capitalism is corrupt. Like everything that Marx predicts about capitalism we're living in right now. Right. Which is why we have, as George Carlin said, 47 brands of cereals and two political parties and mm. fucking two insurance companies. And you have no choice. And we live in monopolies right now. And that's what happens when you. So I just want to start the insurance. We all, you know, so instead of having, you know, insurance companies that split up in a monopolistic fashion, uh, there's their coverage for everybody. I just say we start the everybody's in the same insurance pool I, and we all pay into the same insurance pool. So Medicare isn't like a healthcare system. It's more like a healthcare insurance system and we all pay into it. And when, and if your doctor says you need treatment, then you have to have people who be our watchdogs to watch for corruption. Like you do for anything. Of course there's going to be, but I'd rather have it be that kind of corruption than what we have right now, because right now we have the worst outcomes. We pay twice as much as the rest of the world. Yeah. yeah, I so I agree with you currently. And let me our, just say, David, really quickly, David, and David, Jimmy's plan with giving people choices on what type of health care they want to use, that's something which is what I'm talking about. So so please go ahead. I, I don't want to well, just say, let like, me ask, paying into the system that they're telling us what to do, but paying into where I can go and get like different type of medicines. I can go to westernized medicine. Sure, I, I like, yeah, look, I, I like the idea of having choices. Um, let me ask both you, Pasta and Jimmy, this, this question, because I think this gets at the heart of the matter. If, if we accept that, like, what really is the difference between government and so any other organization and to me it seems pretty clear this is the libertarian insight but i think is just clear that the the big big difference between government is that like they have a lot of guns and the legal authority to use them aggressively which is seems to be the major difference like that if you don't fund the irs they can come get you if you don't fund almost anyone else they can you know withhold their service from you but they're not there isn't some threat of force so why is it that you like like all the ideas that you guys have about this is how healthcare could be provided? Why does that have to be done by the government? I mean, like I don't have any opposition. It's, it's not really being done by the government. The government why, is even funded by the government. Why does it have to be funded by the government? I mean, if you have this pool of people who all want to get healthcare and they want, why can't people just voluntarily because join I don't into look some at type it, of collective? Because I don't look at, well, that's another way when we talk about collectives, because I don't look at it as the government is to the one, you know, just making the choices as opposed to it's the, and this is what I want to do is I want to remove the corruption from the government, right? It's a collective pool of money and resources that can be used together 
for our own citizens. Yeah, but I think you're missing my my question is uh, I I understand that it's a collective pool. I'm just saying it's a collective pool that was collected by the IRS and filtered through the federal government and all of that. I'm just saying if it's just if all that's important to you is that it's a collective pool, then why can't we just have it be a collective pool where people voluntarily put their money in? And people who want to sign up for this program can. Because I'm and making sure that all our citizens, even the, the ones who are most vulnerable, don't fall through the crack. And they have a system to fall back on so that they're next so, generation. So then, know, that's that's the whole thing about uh, the, 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 a lot of compassionate leftists, a lot of progressives. We want to make sure that the most vulnerable, the most poor in our society have health care. We believe health care is a human think, right. Well, I, I get it. But I mean, I think that, that I think it would be compassionate if you were putting your money up. For poor people to have health care. I don't know if it's compassionate to just say, I want the IRS to force everybody else to put their money up. Uh, you know, the, our, we got a bunch of politicians. They're really compassionate with other people's money and they want to help everyone all around the world. I'm just, I'm just wondering that it's like, look, I, my, essentially what I think is that in the absence of the government kind of like take, like monopolizing this field, I think there would be lots of organizations basically doing exactly what you're saying that would come in there's a, if there's enough if there's enough of these like good leftists and and i I'd, I'd count myself in this group of people who want to make sure that no one falls through the cracks like everybody should get health care when they're sick i i disagree with you that it's a human right i mean something different when i say rights you know what i mean but i do think that um i do think certainly we want to come up with systems to ensure that like, yeah, if a poor kid is sick, they get the treatment that they need to. I just think going through the government is like the worst. You know, if you want to remove the corruption from government, there's it's just I, to me, that's an impossible game. I think it's corrupt by its very nature. Anybody, anything else? I mean, um, I mean, I just think people have. I, I you know, it's it's even popular with uh, with Republicans right the government taking a role in ensuring everyone has health care because enough people have now gotten sick and gone bankrupt in our in our system and if you do, and we all know i mean bernie sanders did lay it out for us that implementing medicare for all would would raise your taxes but it would overall save you probably you know a ton of money right so we all know uh we're paying twice as much and so if you don't have a system to replace that with uh i do right away that would save us and then it would ensure everybody it would bring costs down and then you but the bigger problem is uh, the reason why we don't have anything and the reason why people still go bankrupt when they get sick i did i got bankrupt. i had i had, i worked all my life i always paid my taxes i had and i had health insurance yeah. doesn't, doesn't matter so um i i i we it's it's we really have to work together, I think, to, to first get money out of politics, because that's what is at the root of the war problem, the war machine, which is why they can ramp up $132 billion in war spending under Trump, for Christ's sake. The guy who was said he was an anti-interventionist, they ramped it up $132 billion a year. And that's not just one year. That's every year in perpetuity. And that's enough money for every. So what my point is, we have enough money. We can all have nice things. We could get we can end homelessness. People can have a living wage. Right. We can all have health care. We have the money. 
but what uh, we we want to give five trillion dollars to the richest one thousand motherfuckers in the country to, at the are at the beginning of COVID, right? That's the, the shock doctrine. They're doing it, and that money wasn't for you. And then they dangled a couple of months of unemployment in your stupid faces, and you all fell for it, and you left those politicians off the hook for doing it. And here we are living in the inflation from it. And that money didn't. If that money at least went to people, you could go, okay, we got to live with inflation. But they didn't. They went all to the richest people in the country, and so here we are. So the, we need to come together i think first and work on getting the corporations out of this uh government and i think if we come close to succeeding we'll all be killed yeah you, know, you might be right about that um <laughs> that last part but uh i think that i i think really what you laid out there to me is like to the most uh yes after the war issue the most obvious kind of like common ground for you know good leftists and good libertarians to to agree with is that you know even if we're it's like we have these arguments in theory about government you know transferring money from the wealthy to the poorer you know what i mean or or a more free market laissez-faire system where government doesn't re redistribute wealth but the reality of the situation is that our current system is has huge transfers of wealth by the government from the working and middle class to the billionaire class. Yes. And it's like, and who's for that? Like no one ever, no one ever makes an argument in theory as to why that's a good idea. Like, I think like truckers should subsidize billionaires more or something like that. You know what I mean? And like, that's the current system. So I, I would agree that just not doing that, like ending that would make things much better. And and to Jimmy's point, I do think that it's like it's it's kind of hard to measure. I've seen some people do these projections where they try to, but if you account for all of the money that's just been robbed, of course, you know, the biggest transfer of wealth from from the working class to the upper class was in 2020. But before that, the biggest transfer of wealth in the history from the working class to the upper class was in in 2008 and in the wake of 2008. And like that, we just keep doing this over and over again. Take the trillion dollars a year that we suck out of the economy to maintain this empire i mean if all this money had just been left in our economy just not stolen from the american people mm -hmm. it's quite possible we wouldn't even be having so many of these concerns right now about how to provide health care and education and and all the rest of it so that's a you know the corruption is this is i i really do look at it like it's analogous to a cancer like we've we've got this cancer and it's the biggest cancer in the history of the world and it's killing this country like so that's why i think we need an aggressive proactive uh treatment of libertarian chemotherapy <laughs> guys ladies and gentlemen thank you so much for joining us today we're here on rockfin rumble and uh youtube as well we're the libertarian ron paul mises caucus style blokes here with me and jimmy Dore, the anti-imperialist left we couldn't get uh sam bankman freed he wasn't available for today so instead we're doing this panel right now um <laughs> He is available. Uh, He's free. He's a free yeah. man. Well, I, I mean, it's ridiculous because he's sitting there. They're like, oh, you lost all this money. And now, no, you didn't lose that money. You stole it. You should be <laughs> locked up. Uh, and, and that's the way it should be. A anything else on healthcare before we get out? I, I mean, listen, I, I, I think it's a quagmire we have to figure out. I think that there's a way we can be proactive uh, and not just remove the barriers that in front of us to find a way to collectively make things happen you know dave we talked before the show about cuba and castro and how he was kind of forced to communism uh and i go down to the i go down to latin america global south a lot and those people are forced in this collective mindset whether it be socialism communism of sorts because the empire's boot is on their neck but you know there are some good things and, and jimmy pointed out we, we it's been done around the world we found a way to fund healthcare uh, and, and have some decent systems. I'm sure all those systems will have flaws. And I know 
you libertarian guys are probably sitting around and 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 pick it at pick at it left and right. But uh, I, I I do think that this is a door. This is discussions we need to have because if we are to have a compromise, if we are to come on over to maybe vote libertarian, I voted libertarian first time. I voted for one conservative, Jim Marchant, for Secretary of State here in Nevada, and all libertarians down the down the ballot. It was the first oh, time I've it. ever done anything like that. Uh, and I'm willing to go look at that compromise because we had Cynthia McKinney on the other day. We had a we had a show, and we're going to re release this. And we talked about the Libertarian Party. We talked about the third party, and, and it's like I tell Jimmy all the time: ballot access, baby. The Libertarian Party on ballot access alone is the only third party out there, and that's why we have to seriously sit here and say: Is there a compromise we can come along and get to that five percent, and maybe get some recognition? So well, my yeah. my uh, my compromise position is this. Um. I'd be willing to compromise on guns if if they would be willing to compromise on Medicare. <laughs> Ooh, that is a tempting deal. Dave, um, come on. <laughs> well, look, I mean, I think uh, I, I think my my compromise position, um, basically on on healthcare or any other government service, and I think it's a reasonable compromise that that good left wingers like you two should really consider is that it's. It, the solution just can't come from the federal government of Washington, D.C. We've got to stop looking to this most corrupt, most centralized authority and at least start pushing these things from more local versions of government, if that's what you're going after, that at least th those governments are going to be more accountable to the people. The people are going to have more of an influence, like your vote is, is exponentially more valuable to a local uh, politician than it is to a politician far away in Washington, D.C., and that we're, the only solutions that are going to come out of this are going to be local ones. And, and this is the problem with, and you see it even you know more as there's like this trend of like uh, global governance, even with all of the COVID things i mean like how corrupt the world health organization oh, and the whole oh yeah. davos crowd and all yeah. of them i mean the idea that you would ever have any type of decent governance in on a world level you know and it's not that much different than these 330 million people in the united states of america all looking to just the most corrupt swamp and i i agree with uh with jimmy that in theory of like getting money out of politics kind of like the idea of of um big business influencing big government and and their policies i just think that even if you had all the rules in the world that says they can't donate to their campaigns it's like when you're spending six trillion dollars a year you are moving mountains economically i mean just just to give a perspective for this like russia's gdp of the whole country is like 1.6 trillion dollars yeah our government's dropping six trillion a year you know what I mean? Like there's the, the, the amount of corruption behind this. And, and as long as you can pick essentially, which is what the government does, who gets filthy, stinking rich, like, okay, you know, this weapons company, this big bank, this, that there's going to be corruption there. And even if you made a rule, like, you know, that you can't donate to their campaign, it's like, all right. I mean, there's a rule that says that the Saudis can't donate to Hillary Clinton's presidential campaign. They can't. It's illegal. They could give $10 million to her foundation though. Yeah, yeah, you know, I mean, that doesn't count as a campaign. They're, you know, they find ways to buy influence. They could, they can give her, they could pay her to give a speech after she's out. Oh, what's a speech worth? Half a million an hour or something like that? You know, it's like yeah. it's just it's very hard to actually, um, actually get that money out of politics when when politics is responsible for so much money. Well, all of the incentives are are aligned with the amount of money that's at the end of that rainbow. And until we diminish that pot of gold that's sitting there, you're going to continue to have cases like SBF and FTX that are that are deeply corrupt and they get away with it. 
because they're fucking scum of the earth, but they're deeply in bed with the regulatory establishment, not to mention, you know, the political establishment. And it's just, it's unavoidable. I think that's the, at, yeah. at the root of it, until we diminish the size of the state, we are going to have an incredibly and increasingly corrupt one. Yeah. And Bernie Madoff should have made more political donations. Uh, well, yes. I mean, while we're destroying <laughs> the size of the state, I still think, I, so on record, Dave, we're not ready to give, uh, Give us any form of Medicare for all for us lefties going for the Second Amendment. We'll get our people on board with there's there's not the compromise there yet. My, my compromise is is you have to work on it in your state and local governments. And that I think the federal government should be. Just, oh, OK. At this, point, the, at this point, the federal government needs to be um, damn near abolished, if not that. Uh, that first, of, first of all, I think that's a that's a reasonable uh solution i i take that compromise hey, so and now it's time for my favorite ad read where i don't have a script at all and i just get to tell you about how you should do drugs you guys should all be doing drugs because the world's falling apart and drugs make it better okay owned by a long time ron paulian uh this is a great option if you're a fan of delta 8 thc if you're a fan stop buying it from some statist asshole and get it from a libertarian entrepreneur just do it. THC App Spot has dealt with uh, the the craziness that that exists within the prohi prohibition world of the THC versus Delta Eight and all that stuff. It's it's crazy, but you can actually get high quality products from an entrepreneur that shares your values. They have a wide range of products, including smokables, edibles, gummies, candy bars, honey sticks, chewing gum, concentrates, hash, shatter your freaking face with this stuff soft gel capsules and a variety of vape products sign up for their newsletter and get access to regular discounts and entertaining content free shipping on orders over 100 bucks the name is thc hemp spot and exclusively for my audience you can get 15 percent off if you use the coupon code clint that's c-l-i-n-t over at thchempspot.com I'll take that because I know there's didn't didn't Hawaii pass a version of like Medicare for all like every, didn't Massachusetts, Massachusetts do their own well Massachusetts did more of the like Obamacare crony type okay deal, but, but I think I think if it can be done I know we talked about doing it here in California isn't it amazing we have a supermajority Democrat in California and a Democratic governor and they don't do fucking anything the Democrats proclaim they want to do yeah. they don't do any fucking thing anyway uh, they give fracking permits though I'll tell you that <laughs> uh, um, but yeah if we could if there I think there is a way to do it on the state level because they had talked about doing it here in California like well you have to get like an okay from the federal government to do it and but there are ways to do it so I think that I if you wanted to start doing like having experiments like every every state does their own version of it and then we yeah. can see which ones work better and stuff like that I would be for that that anything yeah. Yeah, that's a I think that's a reasonable compromise and I think that could work okay Sure. Yeah, I think I think that's like I think federalism in that sense of like at least having like let's see like let's see if you, we could get one of these uh, local governments to do something in a non-corrupt way. You know what I mean? And then like yes. you said, Jimmy, there's kind of at least at least there's there's some pressure where like if one state's doing it better, there will be. You know, like look, even like with the crazy like lockdown insanity, how many people moved to Florida? Moved to Austin, Texas, and moved to these areas where they were just like, I may disagree with everything else, but like I can. I can at least like live a life here and I don't have to like be like Nuts. masked indoors, you know? And so maybe if there were states that this state is doing it, their healthcare so much better, that would draw, you know, that people would vote with their feet and then that would put pressure on other states to adopt these better systems.
Hmm. Hey, you know what was crazy during COVID? Of course, I got vaccine injured, so I became acutely, you know, connected to all things COVID policy-wise. And it was crazy that, you know, they have a treatment for COVID. It's called monoclonals. It's an amazingly treated. It's like 80% effective rate to keep you. And uh, they never talked about it, but they did it in red states. Like if you went to Florida, you he made sure that DeSantis made sure his people got access to monoclonals if they got sick. They didn't do that. It was hard to get in blue states. No kidding. Yeah, well, and, that, that's because the incentive was aligned with the pharmaceutical companies to to mass vaccinate the people in the blue states. I mean, that's the whole, in my opinion, that's the real reason that the blue states went in that direction of hard lockdowns and vaccine mandates, because that's really what where the incentives aligned. Whereas DeSantis and these other states that went in opposition to that plan. Yeah, they they're had not even the hiding it. Jeffries he, just said the other day, look what Biden's done. Shots in arms. It was like he, they were they're bragging about it. So right. But but then DeSantis had the incentive of providing whatever care he possibly could because the death rate was going to be was going to make or break his presidential chances moving forward. Let's just be honest. I mean, if if you had had the most deaths in Florida of any state in the nation, then he would have been dead in the water because he didn't advocate for the harshest lockdowns. But because he he went both routes, he said, yeah. I'm going to open up care options, but I'm also not going to have the harshest lockdowns. Well, now he's he's looking like well, uh, he did you know, that once teller. he got his his next attorney general. And, and I, I just want to warn everybody about DeSantis. I call him a gusano. That guy is ready because he's like, listen, he wanted to have a day not to celebrate Che Guevara, but the guy who killed Che Guevara. Right. You know, he's got that anti-communist bill that he inducted in the law. I mean, all these a lot of those politicians in South Florida, if given the chance, they'll invade Cuba, Nicaragua and Venezuela tomorrow. Yeah. You know, and I he's a, as a your ex comrades, Martha Bueno, as we're going back and forth at Freedom Fest. And I'm like, you are not a libertarian, young lady. They want to manufacture <laughs> yeah, consent no. to go into those countries because of socialism. Yeah. Yeah. No, I think I think you're absolutely right about uh, uh, that. And I think that, um, you know, DeSantis has kind of uh, come to prominence on his uh, his covid uh, policies as a governor and on his kind of anti-woke, anti, you know, like critical race theory in schools type and that type stuff. Um, but look, the guy was a congressman and his his positions on foreign policy were just atrocious. I mean, he was just really, really horrible. I mean, I was he called uh, he he called the um uh, the Iran deal that Obama uh, uh, yeah. signed. He called it the biggest foreign policy blunder in modern history where you're just like really that was worse than libya iraq like that was worse than iraq that was worse than yemen that was worse than syria that was worse than somalia like what really that was it the one good thing that obama did that's the issue that you had you know what i mean and so so that's he yeah he's uh yeah. he's he certainly is people should be yeah. aware of that at least and, uh, and he did dave he did dave clint he did repeat he said most people he encouraged people to get vaccinated in the very beginning and then he said people who are in the hospital are either unvaccinated or partially vaccinated you know what i'm saying that's a false Lies. statement that's a and that's how that's when fauci comes and says those numbers he lumps in the partially vaccinated with the unvaccinated and most people get the covid 21 days after their first shot like that's the the, the common trend yeah so there was all types of all types of manipulations of of the numbers and stuff and no i agree with you i mean the desantis was very far from perfect on yeah. in his response to COVID. it's only grading on the tyranny curve that you go like okay he was not as tyrannical as some of these other uh governors were but yeah he was he was far from perfect
Just me, to clarify, that was not an endorsement of DeSantis. Just I know, I know, an I example know. of different states handling yeah. COVID in different well, ways. It, in different no, yeah. no, you are endorsing him. <laughs> <laughs> I'm a Dave Smith guy. I'm not endorsing DeSantis. Come on. Uh, okay, so listen, let me get to this next part because I'm interested to see where Jimmy stands on this because uh, this might be something new because I think like just with the way I gave the Russia criticism because I thought it was unfair criticism seeing you on that, uh, that last show, which it was just – pulling my hair out of my head and watching Kurt Metzger almost blow up. Would you just get to the point? You know, Kurt Metzger is going to be on the morning show tomorrow at 830, guys, so come check him out. Um, there's some other fair criticism I think that you deserve too as well. My question to you is this, Dave, and this is kind of alluding to what happened in um, Arizona. Is it better in your mind to govern as a libertarian-minded Republican on their ticket or – to possibly lose running as a libertarian and still make momentum within the party because this is an area where I have a hard time compromising. Whether or not it's a Ron Paul style, a Rand Paul style guy, a Thomas Massey guy, I don't believe there should be any capitulation to the Republican Party whatsoever, even if that person has a better chance to get in as a libertarian-minded conservative with that party because at the end of the day, you're giving away your power. Because if a Republican loses to a libertarian, loses because a libertarian was on the ticket, and they discover that, okay, more uh, Republicans, registered Republicans, voted for the libertarian than registered Democrats voted for the libertarian, and that cost the Republican the election, that means that the that mindset of governing has to move towards a libertarian mindset to get those votes over to them. So if we kind of capitulate and say that's okay to do so, we're giving up our power as a third party so i i don't exactly agree with that i mean i think i i think it's hard to find like a blanket one size fits all rule in these situations so like yeah if if you had like i don't know if if there's a a race between lindsey graham and hillary clinton or something like that and you get into like well who do you think is the lesser of those two evils i think you've completely lost the plot it's like they're both so evil that it's ridiculous i also do think that like if the libertarians were to run someone against thomas massey you'd be like that's just fucking stupid like why why are you trying to peel away support from the most libertarian member of the house the one guy who's standing up about sending money to russia and all these covid bailouts and stuff like why would you uh you know what i mean so like there's different i've got power issues right now i don't know if you guys saw that but this yeah, is where i got cut off last time um but uh so i think that there's you kind of have to judge these on a case-by-case -case basis i think that there's different ways that third parties can um exercise power and certainly there is something to be said for we in many situations i'd say the overwhelming majority of situations being like yeah we won't support either of the two big parties and you're gonna have to come our way if you want our support. But there are also other situations where if people are willing to come our way, like I think that strategy works better than if than when they are willing to come our way, they get that support. Because if we just never give it to them, then also like there's no real then then we're basically. Can you give just me an example? Can you give me an example of somebody other than Thomas Massey and Rand Paul where that logic would apply that maybe from what happened in Arizona. I think the Arizona situation is what I'm alluding to more than yeah. anything with Blake Masters and sure and stuff. Right. So can you give me an example where that works? Well, I mean, Blake, Matt, like, look, there's no, I said the overwhelming majority of times, that's not what we're doing. I mean, look, the, the examples are the Republicans who I supported are those three that you just named. I mean, that's it. 
So, no, I can't really think of other examples, and Blake Masters ended up losing. But Blake Masters did come around to the libertarian circuit, and was he, he was a guy who had deep roots in the libertarian movement also before going in this kind of MAGA direction. And he came on to Ron Paul's show, onto my show, had a half-hour to 45-minute sit-down with the libertarian candidate and gave all of us assurances that he was going to, if elected to the Senate, oppose every, every inch of the conflict with Ukraine. As I said before, that's kind of, to me, more important than anything else right now. Like, if there's one guy, one more guy in the Senate who's trying to avoid nuclear war, I think that's worth it enough. But he also gave assurances on a whole bunch of other issues that are very important to me and libertarians. Again, not perfect. I really didn't like some of his campaign rhetoric, particularly on China. Um, but, you know, it's these situations. Blake Masters was a little bit of a unique situation. I could I could send you articles that Blake Masters wrote in uh, in like uh, 2007, 2008 time anti-war pieces that are like some of the most beautiful anti-war pieces. You would literally like you'd be like, who wrote this? Yeah. I want to go volunteer for this guy now. He's not talking like that exactly anymore. No. He's talking more like a MAGA guy now. Yeah. But it was still, but you know, it was still kind of like maybe there's something there. Certainly a lot better than Mark Kelly from my perspective. So look, I've as I've said always, I think it's debatable. I think there's an argument over when you should and when you shouldn't. I think most people would agree with me with Rand Paul and Thomas Massey. A lot of people agreed with me with Blake Masters, some didn't. Um, but there's an argument there. I think it's it's a uh there's probably very few cases where it, it makes sense to support one of the major, uh, the, the Dem a Democrat or a Republican. Um, that's why there's very few cases where I have supported them. Um, but again, even someone like Tulsi Gabbard, I mean, when she was a Democrat, I mean, I sent money to Tulsi Gabbard's presidential campaign. And yeah. I don't agree with her on a whole lot of shit. And she was a Democrat. And I think the Democrats are pretty goddamn awful. But I still went, you know what? I want to hear someone in those debates making the anti-war case. And right. she's the only one who's going to do it. I mean, like Bernie Sanders, maybe at some point will say I was against the war in Iraq, which is great. But it's like Tulsi Gabbard was the only one who was saying, hey, the number one issue here is war and peace. And yeah. I'm, I'm for peace. And she wasn't even perfect on that question. But yeah. I still sent her a little money because it's like. Sometimes, well, she's getting worse on it sometimes. Now she's concentrating at the border and not concentrating on what causes migration. I think that's yeah. one of the biggest things. And she's still in the military and she went to Africa. Clint, do you want to add on that before we bring yeah, Timmy on here? Because Just, just real quick, yeah. let me just put a capstone on it. I think that the, 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 the reality is if there was 535 Thomas Masseys, the Libertarian Party wouldn't exist. I mean, but there isn't. There's one. So... Until there, until we have that kind of influence that you have that great of representation, which we're nowhere even close to near, um, there's plenty of reason for the Libertarian Party to to be very principled and hold the line and force people to decide if they want a third option or not. Uh, I, it's it's the very rarest of exceptions when the Libertarian Party will look at a race and say, okay, this Dem or this GOP candidate uh, is close enough in alignment that we're going to not run someone against them. I don't think that's going to happen very often. Go ahead. Yeah, no, and I was just saying, like, my example, I think I used this hypothetically on, on, on a Twitter exchange or something like that. But, like, if Tulsi Gabbard, for all the problems we could all say, you know, that we have with her now, but, like, if Tulsi Gabbard were running against Lindsey Graham for the Senate seat oh, and, yeah. the libertarian, and the Libertarian was, like, making the difference to throw it to Lindsey Graham, I would absolutely recommend that they drop out. 
of the race. I'd be like, listen, it's just, it's so much better to have Tulsi Gabbard than Lindsey Graham. Like, I, I don't know. It's like, it's not perfect. It's still far, okay. but there's such a clear difference here. Let's, and if the Libertarian Party was drawing votes from, from Lindsey Graham, I'd be like, stay in and go at him hard. Like, you, there are certain situations where it, the at one outcome is so much preferable to another one that it's a little bit crazy. As you said, like, we don't want to be just handcuffed to our ideology. You want to live in the real world a little bit and be like, let's try to get the best outcome here. Okay. These are I, always yeah. rare situations. Look, I, I understand that too. And as an independent, you know, uh, voting for Hill, uh, for Tulsi Gabbard, hoping that she does something in the Democratic Party, uh, you know, is different than saying, if I was part of the Libertarian Party, right, and I was a member in that, I would never advocate. First of all, I wouldn't advocate for running against Rand Paul and Thomas Massey because we don't want to stretch any more of our resources. But I would never, ever advocate, knowing that it's a marathon, not a sprint, that we got to build this party. I would just never advocate for a libertarian person dropping out and endorsing the two-party duopoly because that's the whole essence of the third party. I feel we give away our power that way when we do that. Jimmy, do you have any thoughts on that? Not really. <laughs> well i just wanted to say just real quick that i mean is there a better example of the power that libertarians can have than thomas massey he was up there he advocated against the bailout bills in the early uh, stages of lockdowns that ultimately is the reason that we're dealing with inflation today i mean it, the, his impact cannot be overstated really it's it's been a, a godsend to have him there so like these are really good examples of where our power is actually wielded best by not, you know, preventing him from uh, attaining that that ring of power. Yeah, but in an open race with like Arizona with the Blake Master situation, and then that's the whole thing. The, the the China catch scratch fever is what really this is like. Holy cow! He like you know, I I can't deal with that. That's been like so ridiculous. And I talk at a lot of I talk at the American Project for election integrity, and that's all. MAGA, America First people and stuff like that. But I can't deal with their whole China issue. It feels like it's Iraq all over again. Again, it's that it really same is. party manufacturing consent. So yeah, I but with a billion and a half people and, and nukes, it's uh, even more serious. Yeah, yeah, I mean, yeah. It's just, yeah. No, it but really is something. It's almost like this, Um, there is this, you know, like there's been such a, a major like kind of um realignment politically in America over the last, uh, you know, five years or so and i think jimmy is a really good example of that and like a lot of these you know guys who are kind of like you know it's like basically taking the same positions that any good leftist would have taken for all this time and now you take that same position and they're like what are you some far right winger or something like that You're like this is, this is what we always believed um and there's it's a it's an interesting thing and in many ways the fact that say like you know, for guys who are not young, like I know that I, some people in my audience are like 20 something year olds and stuff, and maybe they don't appreciate it as much. But even just to watch Tucker Carlson and you're like, wait a minute, the 8 p.m. hour at Fox News is the most anti-war voice in like the corporate press. That's insane. It makes no sense. But even amongst this new right, it seems like it's almost like they just have to have some enemy. Yep. And so now it's like it's almost fallen on China, like nobody else can be the enemy except China. And so I guess they fit the bill and they come up with a lot of just like ridiculous propaganda, mm -hmm. um, completely overblowing, um, you know, things that are, are not at all what we're led to believe. Uh, accusations of genocide with absolutely no evidence, you know, to back it up. A lot of things like this. And, um, you know, don't get me wrong. I mean, China is a is a real, you know, authoritarian fascist government but 
that's their no, problem. Yes, yes, and they're no they're no military threat. I mean, they're they're completely boxed in by hostile countries to them. They got Japan and South Korea and all these other countries that are like they are checking them. They're absolutely no threat to do anything militarily to America. Their their biggest threat is what that they can like try to corrupt our corrupt institutions in their favor. And again, if that's the issue, then we should be attacking our own corrupt institutions and not the Chinese government. Well, they're just they're they're openly what our government is, you know, pretending not to be. Right. right. We, again, the railroad strike just proved we are fascists and they they applaud it. Uh, so they're not they're not embarrassed about it. And they, they can move like that when it comes to a corporation needing. So, yeah. So to to to, to try to pretend that. You know, our, it's we give we as uh, as Thomas Frank said, they pay fealty to democracy. They know all the words, uh, but then they go ahead and they're they're all fascists. The idea that Joe Biden and the Democrats didn't just institute fascism is is a mistaken idea. They are they it's a, and the idea that you voted for Democrats to save democracy is just um, adorable. It's yeah. fucking well, adorable. Well, the funniest thing is that that it all all the like intelligence on the threats to uh, democracy come from like the CIA, and you, so you're just like yeah. you're like okay, so so our our permanent unelected, you know what I mean, like yes. government is concerned about the threats to democracy. Like what what world are we living in that anyone believes this? Well, not to mention that the CIA is responsible for toppling more democratic <laughs> leaders in the world. Oh, yeah. Than anybody, yeah. probably. So, yeah, it's all ridiculous. And then the obvious fascistic example of the Twitter leaks that came out recently where you have FBI sitting down with the heads of most, if not all, major social media platforms dictating what is allowed to be spoken uh, and who is allowed to speak. It's, yeah, we're dealing yeah. with fascism on a, on a major scale. All right, we got eight minutes left, guys. So let's just do this wrap up right now. Uh, I want to hear really quick. The only thing I also want to talk about, too, and we can get to maybe if we ever do a third one, is regulations. Because... Me personally, I would ban fracking tomorrow. I just would. Uh, I'm going to be proactive. It messes with our water. This isn't about global warming. This is about our water. We need water to live. We need it's it's life, uh, not the fact that it, it starts uh, earthquakes and whatnot. But that's a regulation I would put into play, and I would want to know how a libertarian would handle that because that is a protection for us. That is a protection for us. And I know that when people say you would really ban fracking, I'm like, yeah, tomorrow. How does how does a libertarian square that circle when it comes to the well-being of our, uh, you know, and not a blown out version? I'm not I'm not being alarmist here. I'm not being Al Gore. I'm not, you know, I'm not saying ESGs are the thing of the future. I hate them. I don't trust Larry Fink or any of those guys. But how do we take care of Mother Earth and be responsible? You know, what I'm saying how would a libertarian handle that when a libertarian believes in this, the free market and let it work itself out? Um, well, I mean, look, the libertarian belief is is really about like um, um, property rights. And, and and so the idea of like if you are um, a fracking company and you're poisoning uh, people's drinking water, then I think from the libertarian position, there would be absolutely no problem with that being stopped in any way that it could be stopped or you being criminally or or, you know, uh, responsible economically or whatever it is um so i don't but let's be clear i mean let's not talk about banning fracking as if there would be no negative consequences associated with that as well i mean like there's like uh you know fracking has like um uh created a ton of energy and a ton of jobs and yeah, but we haven't tapped in the marijuana I'll, yet and you know we yeah, got well, we there got you go. THC pellets. Listen, we can find I'll, other ways to subsidize right 
Yeah, look, I'll I'll certainly say I'm I'm far from an expert on fracking, so I don't know exactly like how much it uh it, it like um negatively impacts drinking water and things like this. I do know that it's been like a big uh, job creator. And if your number one concern is like helping the working class, I would just at least say, take that into account that you're certainly going to be doing some damage by uh, banning it's like it. nuclear war, right? If there's a nuclear war, we can't have all, then none of us live. So it doesn't make a difference for Medicare for all. Yeah, but I don't think we have I no don't water to drink. I don't believe that fracking is a threat to wipe out the human species, but I think nuclear war is. It messes well, up our water. Well, let me just say, uh, you're bringing up water as being a source of life. Well, energy is really what keeps uh, civilization functioning. And we have, you know, 8 billion people or give or take that we have to to feed and house and everything else. And, you know, oil and gas is the primary tool by which we do that. It isn't actually water. So uh, there's a major trade-off discussion that has to be had here. And to downplay it and say that water is the most important thing. And, you know, this this gas stuff that we get from the ground, we can do without. It's just not reality. We don't have the technological infrastructure to do so at this point. Yeah, but I'm saying we haven't properly subsidized. We haven't looked into marijuana and THC, you know, uh, and find a way to use that. In other words, as an energy source? Well, I mean, there's well to be as good a way to not it. care that your power's out. That might work. <laughs> well, there are, there is ways of using, and I don't. Once again, I'm not an expert on, but I heard there's a way of using THC pellets to sometimes subsidize the coal we use, and also just if we're talking about taking care of Mother Earth, for the the forest that we deforest, we we deforest our 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 trees here. Well, we can just switch to hemp and wipe our ass with marijuana toilet paper rather so than the forest in the whole okay so there's, that's good to mother earth too as so well there's been Another a ton form of, of energy or look there's there's been a long history in this country of completely crony laws that have banned all types of alternative uh you know instruments like hemp and stuff like that that are put there because of the same thing these big corporations who buy the buy off politicians and get laws written in their favor so certainly as a libertarian i'd be completely on board with eliminating every single one of those restrictions now i will say that i get a little bit skeptical about people who go like well there's this there's lots of these like kind of like um you know, like, which might even be true ultimately, but people go like, well, this could be a potential energy source or this could be a potential energy source. And I'm all for people like trying to look into those people investing money in them and hopefully one of them someday. But when we're talking about what can actually power a first world uh, like modern economy right now, it is fossil fuels and nuclear energy. That is all that we have. And that's just the bottom line. Like, that's just the reality. But we don't and subsidize. That's the well, problem. Well, we, do, we, we do subsidize. subsidize. We, we don't subsidize, subsidize enough. We're not using currents. We're not, you know what I'm saying? Oh, okay, fine. I mean, you can always, but again, there's also problems with that is that you end up, it's very hard to know. The thing about having private investment is that people invest because they think they're going to get a return on their money. Government investment is usually just buying off some crony company, Solyndra type stuff like that. So the, it's one thing when you have the government investing in this, the problem is it's a tricky thing to know what's good money and what's bad money. What's the good investment and what's the bad investment? And you don't always know what these things then i'd rather private individuals invest and if they lose they lose their money rather than forcing the entire american tax base into invest and not knowing but let me tell you something man i mean feel however you feel about climate change and how big of a threat you believe that poses we're if, if we're really going down this road that it seems like certainly europe is going down and it seems like there's a pretty big push here in america to go that point clint was making about how important energy is people are going to find out real quick Real yeah. quick, you know, they're this, finding out plans, this winter in Germany. The, yeah, 
Yeah, they're fine. Yeah, exactly. I mean, these these plans of like, uh, oh, they're only going to sell electric cars by the end of whatever it is, 2035, I think, in, yeah. in California or something like that. It's like, OK, maybe the only way here is just to wait and people can see exactly how this works. Your power grid cannot support it. It cannot happen. It's just this is a like a math question. This isn't a question of like what you believe ought to be done for the planet Earth. You literally cannot have it. You're going to be living with roaming blackouts. So if that's if that's okay with you, well, and you're just like, well, that's I don't the know. I, like we I made. said, I don't think we've we've tapped into other forms. And I hate to use well, the word. That may be true. Earth. No, you're well, right. We haven't. They the, killed the, primary... the electrical car here in America. They literally didn't let people buy the car. They took them away from. It. Not to mention that the electricity. The most, the majority of our electricity in this country comes from coal, anyway. So it's just, it's kind of stupid when you let, you. let me just let me just add real quick that the the primary energy source that we subsidize right now is oil and gas because we have the the military industrial complex that throughout our yeah. lives that has been its mechanism yeah. for subsidiz subsidization, and and simultaneously they have suppressed nuclear development, which would have been an answer to much of our our issues. So I don't believe that you can. Uh, once again, it's like like I want a more diverse uh, option set when it comes to energy sources. When you when you entrust the government with that decision-making process of subsidization, you don't get the ultimate best result for, for pe the people or the world. And I think that if you're just going to believe that you can force them down the path that you want, it's, it's unlikely because and, the, and, the and, financial sources are yeah. already so entrenched. The oil and gas industry, even though they're, they're being uh, largely put out of business, they're, they're also being subsidized to go down the alternative tech uh, pathways that will give them a stranglehold on the new yeah. marketplace too. And, and it is true that you, I, I believe if you look at the numbers that electric cars reduce the overall uh, carbon emission um, that because, you know, like they're, they're, you're burning so much less gasoline, um, but they also plug into the power grid, which is, uh, as you pointed out, mostly what in the country, coal, natural oh. gas, you know? Um, so, okay. The issue there then becomes, can the power grid sustain the United States of America all driving electric cars? And again, this is just a math question, and the answer is no. It just can't be done. We're not there yet. So if we come up with some other, like if we redo the whole power grid and have it set up in a way that it could sustain everybody driving electric cars, maybe there's a conversation to have there. But I don't know. I would highly recommend anybody go uh, go listen to the exchange um, from a few months back in Congress between uh, Thomas Massey and Pete Buttigieg. And yeah, it's just, yeah. he really just exposes that. And Thomas Massey's, you know, like really an MIT genius on all this stuff. And he's very big on alternative energy. Like he put his own solar panels on his house and he's very, into, he's very, he's invested in green energy and all of this stuff. He's not like an opponent of it, but he was just like, look at the numbers here. Like, and I forget the exact numbers, but it's like running your uh, car is like the equivalent of like 12 refrigerators or something like that. And he's like, well, just imagine this summer if every single house was running 12 refrigerators. Yeah. What do you think yeah. would happen? It'd be like, yeah, we'll have blackouts. Like that's just – and no electricity for a sustained amount of time. We go from being a first-world country to being a third-world country pretty quickly. All right. Let, that's it for today. Let's, let's get your last pitch, guys. Dave, Clint, why should me and Jimmy vote libertarian this time out in 2024? Okay. Well, I'll say the in the same sense that like, look – if there was any, uh, if there was a good leftist out there, if there was a leftist party that had ballot access um, and they were running up against the, the Democrats and Republicans and they got up there and they said, look, my priorities are uh, ending the empire 
ending all of the wars, no more uh, subsidizing brutal authoritarian governments, no more dropping bombs on innocent civilians. We're not going to flirt with nuclear conflicts with Russia and, and China. We're going to search for detente with them. We're going to talk with other people. We're going to trade with other countries, but we're not in the business of warmongering anymore. We're no longer going to be, we're going to look uh, audit the books on the Federal Reserve and all, and the Pentagon and all of this stuff. We're going to have, we're going to have transparency for the American people. No more corporate bailouts at all. Not one more dime of taxpayer money goes to the billionaire class, period. That's it. No more locking people up for nonviolent victimless crimes. No more police state in America. No more mass surveillance, mass spying, all of this stuff. If I heard that from any leftist party, I'd go, I'm supporting that person. Because yeah. th those are the most important issues. And God damn it, man. Like, that's really, that's really good enough. That's much better than you're getting from anyone else. And, like, that's what we're telling you are our priorities. Those are the issues that we care about the, mo the most, ending the brutal authoritarianism of the United States of America's federal government. So I certainly think there's more than a lot of common ground there. Um, and I do think ultimately, as I mentioned before, that the compromise on, on a lot of the issues we don't agree on is that let state and local governments have more freedom to, to do as their, their constituents wish and try to develop the social programs that way. It's not going to work coming out of the federal government anyway. Um, and so I think that would kind of be the compromise on the other ones. But all of the major, I think if you listen to any of the issues that the Mises Caucus, the Libertarian Party, which we now run, um, all of the top issues that we, we're all about are things that I think you guys would very much be on board with. All you have to do is say free Assange with that. And then it's oh, yes. really, really... Always, of course. Always free Assange. Clay Assange, Assange is the is a is one of the true great American heroes of the twenty yes. first century. Yeah, I mean, I know he's not American, but he still counts <laughs> as American. <laughs> Clint, finish well, it I, up, and then I mean, goodness gracious, I I don't know I could if I can make a better pitch, much less add anything to that list, other than to say that I don't think that we uh, differ nearly as much as you guys think. I think that we have we identify basically all of the same issues. We have many of the same concerns, particularly when it comes to you know, healthcare and making sure that people are are able to take care of themselves. We just have slightly differences, uh, different opinions as to how we see that that future come into the present. And uh, I really, ultimately, I believe that you know we we mean what we say, and that that's the thing that you are not going to get with the the duopoly at all. Um, so, I, I really appreciate your guys' time, and and I appreciate the the open mindedness to have this discussion. I know that uh, you know we weren't able to come to the ultimate compromises on everything that you probably wanted to hear, but um, I think that we're making progress, and and I appreciate your guys' willingness to to discuss it. By the I, way, I, 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 oh, I just can't get on board with your white supremacy. <laughs> Give it time, Jimmy. Give it time. <laughs> just gotta. I gotta sit you down in front of a few more Kanye interviews. You'll, <laughs> you'll start to get it. I was just gonna say Kanye. Kanye is actually gonna be Dave's VP candidate. So I don't want to. <laughs> is that, break is it that what's gonna happen to? <laughs> No, no, that that Kanye stuff. I saw you've been making us some opinions about that, Dave, uh, as well. I uh, I saw you say some stuff, and uh, Jimmy, I didn't know what you think about the whole Kanye situation. Well, when I when I saw the reaction, I was like, did did they think he was funding Nazis in the Ukraine? <laughs> That's not wait. Wait till they find that out. Anyway. LP National tweeted that out just yesterday, actually. Um, well, I, I wanted to just let people know, if you want to follow my work, go to Liberty Lockdown. And uh, I had Dr. Robert Malone on, which was an incredible uh, discussion. Unfortunately, I could not put it on YouTube because we talked about yeah. the... Uh,
the, the global psyop that we've experienced, and he actually acknowledged it, which I did not expect. Uh, so it's a it's a fascinating conversation. Uh, I will also be having on Dr. Joseph Ladapo, who is the uh, Surgeon General out of Florida, one of the few people that actually opposes some of this madness. So that'll be an interesting conversation too. And uh, if you want to follow me, it's at Liberty Lockpod on Twitter. Dave, where do they follow you? Oh, uh, at Comic Dave Smith on Twitter. Um, I'm on Instagram too. The other people run that. But uh, yeah, my, my podcast is part of the problem. Legion of Skanks. I'm, I'm out there. Well, cool. And Jimmy, where can everybody find you? Of course. Very pro, very pro skank. Always have been. <laughs> pro skank. <laughs> JimmyDoor.com, baby. JimmyDoor.com. Uh, Pasta Jardula Convo Couch. Hey, I'm waiting. Are you still? Uh, I'm, I'm sorry, but I didn't mean to cut you off. But you're still in LA, right, Jimmy? Yes, I'm in Studio City now. Very I'm going to be. I'm gonna be out there in a couple weeks, man. We should. Oh, hit me up. I, okay. You know, I, I I do shows on Friday night in Studio City. We'd love to have you on. Okay, absolutely. Hell okay, yeah. pal. Sounds like a plan. Uh, Combo Couch AM Wake Up tomorrow morning on AM Wake Up. Kurt Metzger over there. Combo Couch Vanessa Billy. Next week we have on Dr. Peter McCullough, and we also have Gerald Salente on. If you don't know who Gerald Salente yeah. is, come check him out. He's a badass. That's it for everybody, guys. Thank you so much for watching. Combo out. We'll speak to you guys soon. Thank you, Dave Smith. Thank you, Jimmy Dore. And thank you, Clint Russell. We'll see you soon. Thank you guys so much for tuning in. I uh, I love those guys. I love all four or all three of them. Um, and I, I hate that there's this like, there's this perception that there's a lot of animosity from their end towards ours and from ours towards theirs. Uh, I really do believe that we see the problems of the world in an incredibly similar fashion. We just have pretty divergent views when it comes to solutions because we obviously strongly believe that the state is the genesis block for these problems. And it's very unlikely that it's going to be the solution. And they kind of view the system as being very, very corrupt. But in the interim, we need to find a way to provide services to the people. So I honestly, I feel like it's, the real debate is that it's a short-term versus long-term perspective. Because I think that it's pretty clear in the short term, you know, going to single-payer healthcare probably would help more people in the very, very short term. But I think in the long term, it's a catastrophic option to pursue. And I I don't know if that's uh, something that you can sell these folks on or not. Um, but I think it was worth, worth the conversation and, and worth letting the other side, and I'm sure they feel the same way, hearing our worldview and deciding for themselves. If you enjoyed the show, if you enjoy my work, please go to libertylockdown.locals.com. Sign up to become a supporting member. I'm going to be doing an AMA later this week. It's going to be a blast, and uh, I hope you guys will become supporting members so you can join me on stream where we can talk shit to one another. It's fun. I love it. Last but not least, go to toploffs.com if you want to pick up a Liberty Lockdown shirt and become a walking billboard. I love you guys so very much. Gerald Salente on Friday. I'll see you soon. We're out. Welcome to Liberty Lockdown. Please scan your barcode. Your liberty ain't gone, but yeah, it's on hold. Where did it come from and where did it go?